Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Am I on? Oh, hey! What's up, Centerpoint Church? Good morning! Man, so excited to be here uh, with you guys. Listen, um, that was supposed to be a video. We had some technical difficulties. So I just want to relay uh, what Pastor John, that was actually Pastor John, if you didn't know, was saying in that video is we're starting a new series uh, shortly called Relationships. Um, it's a series about relationships and the shifts we have to make in our lives. Relationships, pretty witty, right? Okay, good. Um, and so, but what we're doing is we're starting small groups with that series. And so if we can invite you guys afterwards if you've had a stirring in you, maybe to join a small group or to lead a small group, or you just want to get together with some friends, go out into the chapel, meet Daryl in the chapel, and you guys can talk about how that happens. Cool? Okay, you guys with me? You guys okay? <laughs> Everyone's all, uh-huh. Okay. All right, we're, we're in this series called Inside Out. Everyone yell out, Inside Out. Inside out. And, and what we're talking about in this, in this series is how God, he doesn't want to just change the exterior. He wants to change the interior. He doesn't want to just change the outside. He wants to change the inside. In fact, it's not so much the outside that matters if the inside is still broken. And Jesus, he, he speaks a lot in the gospels of how, what good is it to clean the outside of the cup if the inside of the cup isn't cleaned? Right? And he comes to us and he says, what good is it to, to live religiously, to live as, as a believer and to do the spiritual Christian things, but if our hearts aren't changed, transformation has not happened. And so God calls us into an inside-out transformation of his love. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, continuing this series. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. But if you don't mind, let me pray before we jump in this morning. Jesus, I thank you for being so, so, so good. You're so faithful, God. And you never wake up <laughs> and decide not to be faithful, Jesus. You're always faithful. You're always good. You're always true, Jesus. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come in like a mighty wind, like a wave, Jesus, that you would bless our hearts, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would transform us from the inside out. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. So um, I don't know about you, but I love baseball. Any baseball fans in here? Baseball fans in here? I grew up playing baseball. I can't say I was very good, okay? But uh, I was thinking back on my early childhood and, and growing up playing baseball. And I started out my very first team playing baseball. I was probably eight years old and I started out in t-ball. Okay, anyone else play t-ball? T-ball, right? And for an eight-year-old, I mean, I was cranking them, okay, in t-ball. Like, I was good. As much as my eight-year-old mind can remember, I was good. Like, I was, I was smashing them off the tee, running the bases, getting the home runs. Like, I thought I was so good. Um, and then I played actual baseball uh, where the pitcher is actually trying to strike you out. And I was terrible, okay? I, I started out, I thought I was amazing, and then I, I got into actual baseball, and I was terrible. And, uh, but I was thinking about this, and in t-ball, I, I, I love, even though I wasn't very good in actual baseball, t-ball, it taught me the fundamentals of baseball. 
It taught me the fundamentals of baseball. It taught me how to swing. It taught me to use both hands when I'm catching it. It taught me how to run the bases. It taught me how to be on a team. It taught me how to listen to an authority, listen to a coach. It taught me the fundamentals that allowed me to become a better player in future years. You see, without the fundamentals of baseball, you don't really have much at all, right? You're not making diving catches if you don't learn how to catch. You're not stealing bases if you don't know where first base is. You're not hitting home runs if you don't know how to swing the bat. You have to know the fundamentals because the fundamentals affect everything else that follow. Are you with me, church? Much like without fundamentals, you don't have the game of baseball. If you don't have love, you don't have Christianity. You see, love is the foundation of our faith. It's not something you graduate from. It's not something you leave behind. It is the very thing by which all other things flow, the love of Jesus Christ. Love is the foundation. It's fundamental to our faith. It's, uh, it's almost as if, if you don't have um, in and out secret sauce, you don't have a burger. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you don't have Chick-fil-A sauce, you don't have a meal, okay? If you don't have love, you don't know Jesus. Listen, I, and that's not just from me. If we don't have love as a body, First John says, to know him is to love him, be loved by him, and to love others. Those who say they know God but do not love, do not know God. Love is fundamental. Listen, all of, the, all of the, the stuff, the beautiful things that we do at church, the words of knowledge and walking in the power of God and learning discipline and, and, and words of knowledge and healing, all of those things flow from love. Have I nailed it in your head enough, okay? All of those things flow from love. So I just wanna give you a verse to set us up before we jump into Romans 12. I wanna give you a verse that for those of us who think that we've graduated from the fundamentals. Here's a verse for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. Paul writes this to the Thessalonians. He says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, everyone say even so. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. What's Paul saying? Listen, we probably don't even need to write to you about love. Center Point Church, listen, we talk about love a, a, a lot. Maybe I don't need to talk to you about love. He's saying, you've been taught by God himself how to love. Even so, there is room to grow. Even so, you have not graduated from the fundamentals. Even though you've been taught by God, you've been walking in love, you're starting to learn love, there is more space to grow. And I want our hearts in this room to be opened up to the fact that even if we've been a Christian for 20 years, walking in faith, walking in power, walking in his love, that there is still more to grow. There's still more to grow this fundamental we cannot let go of. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 4, 19. It says, we love each other because he loved us first. 
We love each other because he loved us first. You see, the problem with a lot of our love in our society, in our culture, in our world is that we have fragile love. We have fragile love. Our love is conditional. Our love is performance-based. Even some of the greatest people you know, they have limits, they have caps, they have conditions, they have boundary limits towards their love. And when you experience fragile love in your life from your family, from your friends, from your upbringing, from people around you, when you experience fragile love, it produces fragile love in your life. You see, conditional love, that performance-based love that we've experienced, it creates a shaky foundation that we can't live our lives upon. But what Scripture says is that we love each other. Why? Not because we've been loved by people, but because he first loved us. Let me tell you something. The love of Jesus is not conditional. It's not performance-based. It's not in and out, hot and cold, black and white. The love of Jesus is constant. It's not fragile. It's structurally sound. And when you experience the love of Jesus, the measure to which you experience the love of Jesus is the capacity you have to love the person in front of you. I'm gonna say that again. The measure to which you receive the love of Jesus, experience the perfect, beautiful love of Jesus is, determines the capacity you have to love the person in front of you. And I don't know about you, but I haven't reached a Jesus level love yet. Anybody else? Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> I haven't reached a Jesus level love, which shows me I have more room to grow. And the last thing I'm gonna say before we get into the passage is this don't disqualify yourself. You have the capacity to love. Guess what? For God so loved the world, that includes everybody. If you're loved by God, you have capacity to become love in the world. And everyone in this room is loved by God. And listen, we might not all have the same gifts. Some of you guys can't sing a lick. I've heard you. <laughs> I'm serious. You'd get up here and people would start to cry, but not because Holy Ghost hit them, you know? <laughs> Some of you guys aren't public speakers. I get it. That's fine. But listen, just because you can't sing, just because you can't preach, just because you're not a public speaker, whatever it is, it does not disqualify you from the fact that you can love. Amen. Listen, you might not be able to sing, but you can love. You might not be able to preach, but you can love, right? You might not be able to put together beautiful things for hospitality, but guess what? You can love. Oftentimes we're disqualifying ourselves based on the giftings we have. Guess what? The gift for everyone is the love of Jesus. Come on. So listen, you're not disqualified from this. You gotta open yourself up to grow and to actually step more into even so. More and more we grow, and then we're gonna get in the passage. Okay, that was a long intro. Here we go, all right? Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13 says this. It's a heavy one. Don't just pretend to love others. <laughs> this, <laughs> scripture speaks for itself sometimes, huh? Listen, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. 
Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I love this passage just In verses 9 and 10, Paul uses three out of the four primary ways in Greek to say love. He uses brotherly love. He uses family type of love, storgos type of love. And he uses agape, unconditional, sacrificial love. It's almost as if he's saying, this is what it's all about. Three out of the four. I'm glad he didn't use the fourth one. That's arrows, okay? That's a different story, okay? Listen, but he uses three out of the four primary ways to say love. He's saying, love him like a brother, love him like a family member, and love him like Jesus. And don't just pretend to love people, really love people. Don't play pretend. Really love people. Don't put on a face. Really love people. I love how the King James puts it because the King James says things in ways I don't understand. It says, let love be without dissimulation. I was like, that hit me hard. I'm like, what does dissimulation mean? It means hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love not be two-faced. Let love be true. Let it not be mixed. Let love be genuine, other translations put. Let love be sincere. Let love not be hypocritical. You see, the problem with the Pharisees is that they had the appearance of love without a heart filled with love. And I can find myself in that same trap. I want to say I don't, but I can find myself, especially as a pastor, especially in a Christian space, I can find myself having the appearance but being empty on the inside. What's God saying? He's saying you have to experience my genuine love. You've got to let go of the fragile love that you've experienced, the unsteady, shakable love you've experienced. Receive my steady, firm foundation kind of love so that love might be genuine in your heart. So this is my declaration for us this morning. I will walk in genuine love because God is love and he is my father. I will walk in genuine love because God is love and he is my father. This is who I'm learning how to love from. This perfect love in Jesus, love demonstrated for me. I will walk in genuine love. Why? Because God is love. It's his nature to love. It's who he is. And guess what? I'm his son. You're his daughter, you're his son, and we have the privilege as sons and daughters to be like our father. Everyone say, I will walk. Come on, everyone say, I will walk in genuine love because God is love and he is my father. Amen. Amen. But I love it. It keeps on going. I think it, it shows us different ways that we can actually activate this in our lives. And so I want to bring you guys into this passage. Continuing 
Romans chapter 12, says don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. What? Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Love, hate what's wrong. Don't just pretend to love people. Let love be sincere. Let it be genuine. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. What I get the sense that this is saying is, you see, love is not just some airy, hippie feeling. (laughs) Thank you. Helping me preach. You see, Genuine love doesn't look like enabling poor habits. Genuine love doesn't look like enabling. Hate what is wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't say hate people that are wrong. Doesn't say hate people that have a different ideological opinion than you. It says, but hate what is wrong. Wrong. Why? Because love is a love that brings transformation. And if we want transformation in our lives, then love is going to be adversarial even to us. Love is not about enabling poor habits. I love uh, my buddy Daryl, my best friend Daryl, right over here. And uh, when I was first starting out in ministry, I was running our, our young adults ministry. And uh, we would have to set up every week. Like we'd have to set up tables and we'd have to set up chairs. And, um, and so I would have some of the people that came to the young adults ministry, I would have them like, you know, reset them up. After we were done, I was like, hey guys, can you set up the tables and put the chairs around so we can make it look all nice and stuff like that? And they would never do it how I wanted them to. Like I'd be like, hey, set it up. And then the tables would be all like out of place and, and all messed up. And uh, I remember Daryl was with me at the young adults event and I just got frustrated and I was like, and I made a, some sarcastic comment like, wow, you guys are really good at this, right? I made some sarcastic comment and I'll never forget this. I always talk to Daryl about this because he just called me out right in that moment. Something along the lines of this, he said, he said, you can't get angry at people for expectations you didn't voice. I was getting frustrated at people without telling them how I needed it done. I was getting frustrated at people because I had an expectation of how it should be, but I wasn't actually voicing that and expressing that to them. And now I'm angry. You know what love did in that moment? Daryl's like, hey, brother, wake up. Hey, brother, wake up. These people, they're actually doing what you told them. You're just not telling them well. You're not leading well. And I remember that moment because it was like, oh my gosh, I got to express things to people. I got to change. Why? Because love sometimes looks like conflict. Hey, what is wrong? Hold tightly to what is good. John talked about this, uh, I think last week or the week before. The scripture says iron sharpens iron. Do you know how iron sharpens iron? (laughs) By hitting each other. Not physically. (laughs) Iron sharpens iron. It means that when you get into the body of Christ, sometimes we look for churches that have no conflict. I don't think that's a sign of health in the church. 
Look for a church where people are actually shaping you, where people call you out, where people actually see your life and call you to a higher standard. Let's stop living in offense when people call stuff out of us and say, I can't believe they don't accept me. It's not that we don't accept you. Love requires conflict sometimes. It requires us to call things out sometimes. And we as believers have to be open to the discipline and correction from people and more so from the Lord. Hebrews 12, I love it. It says, if God doesn't discipline you, it shows that you're not his kids. He says, the very fact that you're disciplined by God proves that you're his kids. So we shouldn't run from conflict. We shouldn't run from discipline. We shouldn't run from iron sharpening iron. Why? Because that is what fashions our hearts to look more like Jesus. Love requires conflict sometimes. This is what I learned this last week. I love this so much. In the beginning, right, Eve is given to Adam. And, and God says, I'm going to give you a helper for Adam. And, and the word for this, this helpmate or help me in, in Hebrew, is this word ezer kenegdu, right? And uh, I love this. I was studying it, and it often means like a helper comparable to him. But I was reading that a lot of Jewish scholars actually believe it means a helper against him. Some of you are like, I know what that means. <laughs> you see, this is the beautiful thing, is that God has actually created people in our lives to be adversarial to us. Not in a bad way like they're my enemy, but adversarial in a way that they actually become mirrors to my life and are able to shape and cut off all the stuff that isn't producing fruit in my life. And so what did God give Adam? He gave, her a, gave him an azer, connected, a helper against him to strengthen him. How do you strengthen somebody? You go through conflict. You go through pain. You go through struggle. And so in this Christian life, God has given us people to be adversarial against us. That doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean that they don't care. It just means they're doing what God has called them to do. Man, we could, why, why is that good? Why is that good? Because we get offended a lot. They called out this, and they didn't accept this, and they told me I had to get out of this situation, and they're not giving enough grace, and they're not doing this right. Listen, 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 listen. I look at Jesus' life, and I would be offended by him. Can I be honest? Peter's like, no, you're not going to get crucified, Jesus. He's like, get behind me, Satan. I'd be like, what do you mean? Satan, right? Like I'd be offended by Jesus. Some of the stuff he says is offensive. It's not to be mean. It's, it's not to call you out and condemn you. It's so that you can be free from the garbage. It's so that you can be free from the darkness. It's so that you can step into light. Jesus and his body are not called to condemn. He didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. How does he save you? Sometimes by calling you out. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what? Is good. Woo you guys with me? I'm getting tired up here. All right. Listen to this. Verse 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord 
enthusiastically. I was thinking about this in the terms of love. Sometimes we got some lazy love. Never be lazy. Sometimes I got some lazy love. Sometimes I have some autopilot love. Where you get to a certain point, maybe in your marriage, in your relationship, in your friendship, where you're like, now we're good, and you stop trying. Sometimes we develop patterns in our lives where our love actually becomes lazy. Listen, the love of Jesus was not lazy. Jesus was love demonstrated. Genuine love is not lazy. It's intentional. Jesus actually sat with the sick. He sat with those who were sinners. He died on a cross for us. He expressed his love in a certain way. He listened to people, prayed with people, ate with people, patient with people. His love was intentional. Are you with me? His love was intentional. And I was looking up what this word intentional means. In Tension. It means a stretching out, a a stretching that you have to stretch yourself. What's God calling you to do? To stretch yourself in your love. Not to get lazy, not to get lackadaisical. It's whatever. I love them. Hey, bro, love you. Oftentimes our love, the, the love that we say is often limited by our words. It's confined to the words we say. We say, I love you, but our love looks lazy. And what's God calling? He's calling us into a stretching kind of love, a a more intentional kind of love. When I think about this intentional kind of love, I think about uh, one of our our pastors here, Pastor Christina Andres. I I think about her when I think about intentional love. I was going through a, a, a season in my life where I was just terribly afraid. Like afraid, like anxious, panic attacks, just woo, crazy. And we read this book together as a staff team when she was my boss here. And, and uh, we read this book. It's called Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> I don't know if you've read that. It's a good book. You should read it. Um, so it's called Who Moved My Cheese? And throughout it, it's like this mouse who's making decisions and kind of, you know, figuring out which way to go. And he's trying to learn how to navigate change. Whatever. Go read the book. All right. But he sees this sign along the way, and it's on the wall. And throughout his journey trying to navigate change, he sees this sign on the wall that says, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I was in a season of terrible fear in my life, like every day, like anxiety and fear. And Christina was asking us what our favorite parts of the book were. And I said, that part right there, because that's giving me hope. Like, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? It's like, I would do this, 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 this. I'm like, but I am really afraid. What would I do? That's such an encouraging question to me. Anyway, probably a month later, I come into her office and she's got this rolled up thing for me. She said, I got you something. And I folded it out and it's a poster that says, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I'm in her office like, just crying. You know what that took? It took knowing what I was going through, listening to what I was saying, making a decision to do something about what I was saying, and then actually acting in love. 
What she did in that moment was intentional love. She didn't have to do that. That could have been enough. I didn't even know she was going to do that. But in her mind, she thought I was important enough. I was valuable enough. She knew what season I was going through to where she said, I can love him in this way. I'm going to intentionally think about how I can love you. I'm trying to get better at this stuff, guys, because love, we're growing in it. When someone tells me something they like, I write it down. (laughs) When I see something online that somebody's going to like, I buy it. When I think about something, well, not everything, right? But, you know, I don't have all the money. I'm a pastor. Anyway, all right, here we go. (laughs) But when I think about somebody, I text them. Why? Because I'm starting to realize that love takes a little bit of stretching. It takes a little bit extra. It takes a little bit more. And the fruit The compound interest you'll see in your relationships when you go one extra stretch, maybe just once a day. Daryl was talking to me the other day. He's like, when I just go to the grocery store, pretty much every time I go to the grocery store, I just look at flowers and I buy flowers for Brittany, my wife. That's what he said. I just want to call you out, Daryl. I've been talking to Daryl a lot. He said, (laughs) I don't know. He said, intentionality is actually pretty easy if your mind's on it. I'm just getting groceries anyway. I'm at the grocery store. I can think about my wife. How can I love on her? Grab some flowers. Go give them to her. Intentional love. Those little stretching moments are what make all the difference. You with me? All right. Verse 13. Verse 11. And then, okay. Where are we at? Sorry, I'm all over the place. Woo! You guys with me? Look, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. What I get from this verse is that genuine love is not self-seeking, it's others-focused. If we want to walk in genuine love, it's not self-seeking. It's not I'm trying to get mine. It's others-focused. It's focusing on other people. It's focusing on their needs and and the calling God has for them and, and what's been deposited in them. And how can I bring this out of another individual? It's not just about trying to get my spiritual high in the Christian life. It's not about trying to get my calling attained. Listen, most of that will get attained when you start focusing on other people. The problem is that much of our love isn't love at all because when we love, we expect something back in return. When I was in college, (laughs) this is so good. When I was in college, I met this homeless man named Steven. And uh, he was at the park across from my apartments and he was addicted to drugs. And he was on crystal meth, he was homeless, had his girlfriend, I think his girlfriend was pregnant. It was just a bad situation, right? And I met him, started hanging out with him, started loving on him, having conversations with him, started pouring out Jesus on him, started buying food for him, eventually buying hotel rooms for him so that he could stay so that he wasn't sleeping on the streets called up Teen Talent Challenge. He wanted to get into a rehab. I called up Teen Challenge. I I got everything set up, appointments for him to go to so that he could get off the drugs so he could get his life straight. Spent like months with this guy, just working through things and him finally accepting like, hey, I'm gonna go to rehab. And I finally called them up. I got the appointment 
And I remember the morning, I'm sitting in my car and I said, hey, arrive at my house, 8 a.m. We're going to Teen Challenge. You're going to get some help. Jesus is going to do some healing. I'm sitting in my car, five minutes past eight, 10 minutes past eight, 15 minutes past eight, 30 minutes past eight, and I am fuming. So I get on my skateboard. And I start mobbing over to the park, just looking for him because I'm so angry. And I see him just moseying along, him and his girlfriend on the bike. Steven, what's up, bro? 8 a.m., dude. I was, come on, man. I was going to take you to teach house. Ah, uh, no, dude. I, I decided I'm not going to do that. What do you mean, Steven? Uh, Steven. Sorry, that's Nacho Libre. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so bad. I can't get through a serious story. Okay, listen. I said, I said, Stephen, what do you mean you're not going to show up? What do you mean you don't want to go? Yeah, I just decided I'm not going to go. I said, fine. I literally just stormed out. Skate back. <laughs> I skate back to my house, and I'm crying out to the Lord. God. What is going on? I poured out my life in this guy. I, paid, I invested so much in this person. I, I loved him so well. I, I, I bought him hotel rooms. I, I set this whole thing up. I was, it was going to be life-changing. Why? Are you kidding me? And I'm crying and I'm angry and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm fuming at the Lord. And I remember the Lord asking me this question like a knife in, me, in my heart. He said this to me. He said, Aaron, were you loving him for him or were you loving him for you? Were you loving Stephen for Stephen's sake and for my sake, or were you loving Stephen because you needed to feel fulfilled and Christian and good and all together? I shaped up real quick after that. Why? Because the Lord's hating what's wrong and he's bringing something good, holding tightly to something good inside of me, right? And he's showing me what genuine love actually looks like in this moment, and it's not just about getting what I need, it's actually about such a change, such a change, the, the genuine love of the Lord is such a change to others' focus that even when people don't decide to receive your love, you're not mad because you didn't need them to, to love you, to love them. Come on. We see this in our relationships all the time, praying for other people so that we can be okay. God, change him. Change my husband, Lord, so that I can have peace. <laughs> change my wife so that I can watch the game, Lord. Like, come on. We are praying for other people. Is it for their sake? Is it for God's purpose to come through in their life? Or is it for our own sake? Genuine love isn't self-focused, it's others-focused. Genuine love looks like something. Last story, I'm going to call the worship team back up. Me and my buddy went out to San Diego. I feel like it's story time with Aaron this morning. Okay. Me and my buddy went down to San Diego. We were doing some ministering, some praying for people out, out of this church in San Diego. And we went out to, you know, I think Mission 
Mission Bay or something like that. And we were just going around praying for people, getting words of knowledge. They set up a tent <laughs> that says uh, free spiritual readings or whatever, but it was Christian so that it could just prophesy and love on people. So it was awesome. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so we went out with this, this church group and uh, we, we meet this guy, Ricky, and we start talking to this guy. Again, in a, you know, like for probably two hours, you know what I mean? This guy's, again, homeless. He's on drugs. He's got like literally like six kids to take care of. And, and we're sitting with him and we're just trying to convince him that God's good, you know? It's like he would grab a hold of it and he'd be like, yeah, God is good. He sent me you guys. But why aren't my kids fed? And then he would come back. Yeah, God's good. Look at all the blessings in my life. But why am I still homeless? Why am I still in this situation if God's good? And it went back and forth literally for like two hours until my buddy Rob says to Ricky, he says, listen, Ricky, I'll buy you $100 worth of groceries right now for your kids. And Ricky's eyes go, huh? He gets excited. Okay, awesome, right? He's excited, something's happening in his life. We start walking on the way to the grocery store as we're on the way. Tricky devil. <laughs> his drug dealer is on the way. And his drug dealer calls out to him, hey, Ricky. <sighs> He's getting freed right there. In the, hey, Ricky, come on. Just got some new stuff in. And Ricky looks at him and he pauses. And you can see this moment of decision in him. This moment of like, am I going to live the same or am I going to go with these crazy guys, right? And you can see this moment of the decision. He says, nah, man, I'm good. And he walks on. There's a big smile on his face. And he looks on me and he said, I just gave the devil the cold shoulder. We get to the grocery store. It ended up being he just was going mad in the grocery store. I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And we were like, bro, get whatever you want. We get up to the cashier. He starts preaching the gospel to the cashier. He says, do you know how good God is? Remember 30 minutes ago when he didn't know if God was good? Do you know how good God is? These guys came into my life, and they, they did something for me. They, they bought me groceries, and now I can feed my kids today. God's good, and he's preaching to the cashier how good God is because God came through for him in that day. We get to his house. There's more. We meet his whole family, get to pray for his family. His, his uh, brother or his uncle or whatever has stomach issues is in excruciating pain. One of our team members lays a hand on him. The guy gets healed right there on the spot. Why? Because love looks like something. Get this, James chapter 2, verse 15. Suppose a believer, whether a man or woman, needs clothes or food, and one of you tells that person, God be with you. Stay warm and make sure you eat enough. If you don't provide for that person's physical needs, what good does it do? In the same way, faith by itself is dead if it doesn't cause you to do any good things. And this verse came out and it made me realize that genuine love is others focused and genuine love goes beyond the limit of just talk. And it actually looks like something in the world. You with me, church? It's good news. We ready to grow in love? <clears throat> like I said in the beginning, this is impossible without Jesus because we only love each other because he first loved us. Yeah. 
It can only grow in this genuine love and love each other because he first chose us. He first was intentional with us. He first loved us. He first died and let go of his life for us. And we can't grow in love if we don't have relationship with him. So if we can close our eyes, bow our heads. I wanna invite, I believe there's some people in the room that you're like, man, I wanna live in this transformative love, this, this relationship with God, but I don't think I'm right with him. I don't think I have a relationship with God and I need, I need some healing. I need some forgiveness. I need God to do something in me. Jesus was love demonstrated, the love of the Father demonstrated, and he got up on a cross, and on that cross he took every sin, every mistake, every lie that we had believed, every bondage and barrier and brokenness that we had in our relationship to God, and he gave us access to freedom from sin, hell, death, and the grave, and he invites us, all he says is this, this is the work of the Father, to believe, to receive the grace of Jesus, to say, you know what, God, I believe in you, I trust in you, I believe you died, you rose again, and as soon as you put your faith in Jesus, he starts the transformative work in your heart. So if that's you this morning and you're saying, man, I need that relationship with Jesus, I wanna step into genuine love with him, can you do me a favor, just raise your hand right now? Amen, keep your hand up. Amen. Three right here. Amen, brother. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Take that hand, just put it on your heart right now. Just say something simple like this. Just say, Jesus, I love you and I need you. <laughs> Forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean and make me new. Help me receive your genuine love so that I can genuinely love others. I give you my heart this morning, for now and for the rest of my life. I believe you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we celebrate Jesus for those four people, five people, come on. Thank you, God. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to continue in worship. Thank you, church.